How you doing today? Good. Uh, I'm Jesse. Um, I'm the teaching pastor here at Fathom, and we are so glad that you're here. If you're a first-time guest, we are stoked to have you. We're not going to make you raise your hand or do anything weird. I uh, visited a church this week, and, and, and they did the whole... Um, if you're, if you're new, raise your hand, and I was like, man, there's no way I'm going to raise my hand, except for you kind of wait to see if they say, like, if you do raise your hand, we've got a gift for you, because there's no way I'm going to miss out on, like, a Starbucks card or anything. Like, I'll take some embarrassment for, like, a gift, um, but we're not going to make you do that today, but um, we do have something for you afterwards um, out at the tent. Um, hope you guys are having a good day. Is the morning going all right? Mine was weird, I'm going to be honest. I didn't sleep well last night, feel a little bit off. I was at Starbucks this morning, um, just kind of going over my notes, and everyone was staring at me. Like, they wouldn't stop. I just felt like everybody was looking at me. So either there was something in my mustache, or they could just see the anointing on me. So either you're going to have a fantastic sermon today, or I have snot on my face. Um, Anyway, as I said, I am Jesse, and um, we're glad that you are here. Um, I don't know if you caught that in the beginning when I said that. I, I kind of started with, I am Jesse. Um, I said, I am a name. And um, that's, a, that's a pretty common thing to, to do. Like if someone were to walk up to you and say, hey, who are you? You would most likely say, oh, I am. And then you would say your name. You would, you would fill in the blank with your name. And that's a totally normal response, right? And the thing is with our names is we kind of find our identity in them. And, and, and sure, names are kind of this like practical function, you know, they just have this practical function to it where, you know, names make it easy for us to identify each other. It's, it's, it's a lot better than saying, hey you, or oh, it's the guy with the creepy eye, or you know, it's the dude that looks like a lady, you know, like it's good that we have names. That was not a slam on Kyle's hair, I promise you. Um, you know, we, we use names to, to, to identify, I'm really sorry. Um, I love Steven Tyler and Aerosmith, so it's a compliment. Um, but yeah, we use names to identify each other. They just, they just hold this practical function. I mean, in a, in a world without names, it would be a little bit complicated. So, so names are a good thing. And they, they play a crucial role in our, in our society, and, and they play a huge part of our world. But we really, it's rare that we kind of often slow down and we kind of think about names. And we kind of think about what they mean. And we kind of, you know, we just, they become this thing, and it's where you say it so often, your name just becomes this, just, you know, it doesn't mean a whole lot. It's just, it's just a name. You say it really fast. And so... Um, we have been in a series, obviously, called Names, where we've just been slowing down and just kind of, kind of looking at what it, what it means to, to be called something and, like, what it means to be identified by something. And, and, and we all have names, obviously. Like, we don't, we don't get to choose our names. We get names when, when we are babies, and we're kind of stuck with them. There's not a lot of people that actually change their name. And so what we did today was we gave you a chance to choose your name. And so, like, you don't get to choose your name. And maybe unless you're a rapper, you know? Like, we got, like, Puff Daddy. He goes, now my name's going to be P. Diddy, and then my name's going to be Diddy. And then soon he's just going to be like, hey, yo, call me D. And we're just going to roll with it. Or Snoop Dogg. Did you guys know Snoop Dogg is not Snoop Dogg anymore? Snoop Dogg is Snoop Lion. Yeah. I, I heard that, and I was like, when did that happen? How did I miss that? Was there a press conference? Like, I feel like that's a really big deal. But, you know, we don't get to change our names. We don't get to choose our names. But today we gave you guys the chance. Does anybody feel like they have a really good name that they want to share? 
Come on, somebody, I know you're proud. All right, what do you got, man? Walker, Texas Ranger. That's so good. Come on, somebody else. Who's got a good name? Are you not proud of your names that you've chosen for yourself? Please. Okay, well, I chose Northwest. Um, I don't know if you guys are keeping up on pop culture, but I'm so mad at Kanye and Kim because I always thought when I had a son, I wanted to name my son North because I loved that movie when I was a kid with um, Elijah Wood. Did anybody see that? Anyway, you should see it if you had it. But I was so mad because everyone's going to be like, oh, you just copied Kanye, so now I've got to come up with something else. But God bless Kanye and Kim. Um, So I don't know why you're ashamed of the names that you chose because that's a pretty exciting thing. Um, My mom actually had a a really cool opportunity when she was a little girl. Um, My mom is the oldest of two girls, and when her parents were pregnant, they said, hey, um, she was just a few years old. She, they said, we are going to let you name your sister, which is a really brave thing to do as a parent. And so the thing is, my mom was really into this one TV show, and she was just totally set on this is what she is going to name her sister. And she loved Sheena the Jungle Woman. And so my aunt's name is Sheena. And so my grandparents were so brave because I know if some of y'all got to name your siblings, there would be some kids, people walking around with some obscenities for names. I know you guys would not be kind to your brothers and sisters. Um, Actually, my uncle went to school with a girl. This This is a little sad. Um, but it's a true story. Uh, my uncle went to school with this lady who got pregnant, and she was uh, going through a book and kind of reading, I guess. I don't know exactly how you make this mistake, but she was looking through a book, and she saw a name that she loved, and she said, that's going to be the name of my son. And so she named her son Pajamas, also spelled Pajamas. Um, so there is a guy walking around somewhere with the name Pajamas, um, If he was smart, he is now going by PJ. Um, But that's, I don't know, that was in Alabama, and it's going to make Alabama sound bad. That's my home. But um, anyway, so you're doing better than Pajamas, I promise you. Whatever your real name is, you're doing way better. Um, But obviously, as I said, we're in a series called Names. And um, God changes people's names in Scripture 14 times. And um, we just, we were, we were struck by that. Um, I, I'd, I'd heard this song about a year or two ago, it was just called Names, and it was this guy in North Carolina was just writing about when God changes people's names and how he doesn't want to call them what he used to call them. And I just remember being so struck by that, and, I, and I'd never really thought about it before. And so we wanted to just take a few weeks and look at some of the main characters that God comes in and kind of, kind of invades their lives and say, hey, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new purpose. I'm going to give you a new identity. And it's, it's more than a title change. There, there are instances where God calls people out of their present, and he calls them into something new. And he, and he, and he calls them into new purposes, and he calls them into a new identity. And, and it's, it's this thing that God was doing such a new work. He was doing such a new thing in these people's lives that he, that he no longer wanted to call them what he used to call them. He said, I'm going to give you a new name. And it's, it's almost as if he was going to set a reminder for them that, that you are a new creation. You are no longer what you were. It's, it's like he changed their name to remind them that they are now something totally new, that they have a new identity and that they have a new purpose, a new definition, if you will. 
And, and the thing that we believe here is that we believe that God is calling you here in this place, that God is calling you into a new purpose, that God is calling you into a new identity, a new identity and a new purpose. And, 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 and who you were, it's not who you're going to be. And where you are is not where you're going to end up. You see, God is changing us. Here in this room, as, as, as a community, as we gather, God is changing us. He's, he's consistently shaping and molding us to be more like his son, Jesus. He's changing us, and he's, he's inviting us into a new way of life. And in the past two weeks, Kyle has just been kind of exploring some name changes in the Old Testament. And in the first week, we got to see God's faithfulness with, with Abraham and Sarah, and as, and as well with Hagar and Ishmael. We got to see God working in their lives and, and pulling them into new promises, into places they, they, they didn't think they were ready to go. And then last week, we saw Jacob wrestle with God, and we saw, we saw him wrestle, and we saw him emerge with a new name, and he emerged as Israel. And we just saw how God had new purposes for them. And he said, I don't want to call you what I used to call you. I've got something new for you. I've got new places I want to take you. I've got new things that I want to do. I am doing something new. Do you perceive it? And so today, we're, we're going to, the next two weeks, we're just going to jump into the New Testament. And we're going we're to look at an epic name change today. And we're, we're going to spend the next few minutes just kind of doing a brief character study on one of my favorite characters in, in Scripture. He's, he's, he's a complicated guy. He's a really interesting guy. He's, he's super intriguing. We're just going to spend some time just doing, doing a little study on him and just looking at his life. And we're, we're, going, to be, we're going to spend our time talking about Simon Peter. And, I, and I, I love Peter because he has some epic moments in Scripture. I mean, some seriously epic high points. I mean, he's the first person to declare that Jesus is the Christ. He's the first person to declare who Jesus is. He's in Jesus' top inner circle, like the top three leaders. He's the only guy to walk on water other than Jesus. I mean, at least for a little while. It didn't last that long. And he's the leader of the first church. He's the first Pentecostal preacher, if you will. Like his first sermon, thousands of people decided to follow Jesus. I mean, Peter has some seriously epic high points. And he ends up writing two to three books of the Bible. I mean, Peter had some good stuff going on. Epic stuff, but the truth is that's kind of like his Instagram life. Like, if you know what I mean? Like, everybody wants to post all the good stuff, and like, everybody wants everybody to think they're living the most epic life. And like, if we went by just what we saw on social media, we'd be like, whoa, what a fantastic life you have. You never have to do laundry. You never have to make your own food. Like, but the truth is, this whole like celebrity culture where we think all these people, they don't do real life, they don't have to do with real things, none of that's true. We're all just lying to each other. We're all just trying to make each other think we've got these epic lives. And so Peter really does. He has these high, epic moments. I mean, where Peter just really shines. And so, yeah, we could focus on that. And I'm sure that's what Peter would love for us to do. I feel like Peter's the kind of guy, he would be like, you guys should just, you guys should just read these certain stories about me and not some of the others. But the truth is, is that Peter also had some epic low points, he had some really low points in his life, and he kind of does this fluctuation all throughout his life story. And, it's, and the thing about it is, is it's so encouraging because it's really it's just like us. 
It's just like us if we're honest. And so we're going to be in Matthew 16 if you guys want to turn there. We're going to be in verse 13 starting, and it's going to be on the screens. Matthew 16 starting at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciple, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or maybe one of the prophets. He says, what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And then Simon Peter, our, our, our boy for the day, he, he, he answers up, and he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It's like the first declaration of who Jesus really is. And, and, and Jesus replied, said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but, my, but by my Father in heaven. But by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. You are Cephas. You are the rock that I'm going to build my church on. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and hell will not prevail over you, Peter. Let's pray. Let's pray real fast. Father, help us to, help us to see ourselves in Peter today. Help us to see that, that, that where he was is not where he ended up, and that, that where you found us is not where we're going to end up. So we want to see you today in this story. We want to see you in Peter's life. So help us accept our names that you give us. Help us accept who you say that we are. In the strong name of Christ we pray, amen. So I love so many things about Peter. And, and, and I love his high points and I love his low points. And, and I just want to kind of go through his story and I want to talk about some of the things that I love about Peter. It's just a few points that I think are going to be really important for us to just grab a hold of. And, and the first one that I love is that Peter, he embraces the change. He embraces his change. When, when Jesus starts to call his disciples, he's going and he sees two brothers fishing. And he, and he calls out to Peter and, and he says, hey, come and follow me. Come and follow me. You see, Peter was a businessman. He, he, he had his own fishing um, company. He, he had his own boat, and he was fishing, though he wasn't really doing very well until Jesus showed up. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, come and follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. I'm going to give you a new identity. I'm going to give you a new life, but it's going to take some risk. It's going to take some risk. And the thing I love about Peter is he responds, and he says, okay, Jesus, I'll go. Okay, I'm going to follow you. It's this guy he doesn't even really know, but there's something special about him. There's something special about this Jesus that he says, I'm going to leave my old life behind, and I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to go after what you say is true. I'm going to go after where you lead me. Where you go, I'm going to follow Jesus. And I love that about Peter, because even throughout his whole story, as he fails, and as he has high moments, and he has low moments, he just continues to follow Jesus wherever he goes. And, and the thing is, we have a choice to respond to. You know, Jesus comes into Peter's life and, and he calls him out of this, this fishing life where he's not really catching very much and he's struggling to survive. And Jesus calls him into a new life to be a disciple and to, and to be, become a leader. 
And then Jesus gives him this new name, and he says, Peter, or he says, Simon, I'm not going to call you in there. You're going to be Peter. You're going to be the rock. I'm going to give you a new definition. You're no longer just a fisherman. You're going to be the rock that I'm going to build my church on. Your faith and your faithfulness, I'm going to build on that. Even though you had humble beginnings, I'm going to build on that. And we have a chance to respond as well. When, when God gives us a new name and when he, when he gives us a new definition, we have a chance to accept it or not. Like if God gives you a new name, you get to choose whether you use it. Peter got to choose who he introduced himself as, and, and so did Abraham, and so did Sarah. Were they going to go back to the old way? Were they going to go back to their old name? Or are they going to embrace the new call that God has on their life? And I love Peter because he just responds, and he grabs a hold of the change, and he makes it his own. And so Jesus calls him in to step into something much bigger than himself. He steps into his anointing. He steps into his purpose. And he embraces his new identity, imperfectly for sure. He messes up a ton. We're going to look at that in a second. But he grabs a hold of this new identity and he runs with it. Like I said earlier, he's the first man to declare that Jesus was the Christ. Like he made this huge statement. When Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And all the other disciples saying all these things. Peter knows and he takes a risk and he just shouts it out. He says, you're the Messiah. You're the one I've been waiting for. You're the one that I left my old life for. I wouldn't have left my old life for just for anybody. But you've given me a new purpose, and I know who you are. You're the Messiah. And another thing I love about Peter is, is his heart to help. It's his heart. It's his willingness, and it's his readiness to jump in at any moment, even though sometimes he totally misses the point. I, I love Peter so much because he's, he's, just, he's all in. I love people who are all in, people who just throw their lives into a purpose. They throw their lives into a meaning, even if they don't always do it perfectly. And a few months ago, we talked about how, how when, when Jesus was walking on the water and he came out to the boat and the disciples were terrified. And he says, don't be afraid, it's me, it's Jesus, it's your friend. And they were still all scared. And, and Peter, of course, he's, he's, there he is. He's right there. And he says, Jesus, if it's you, call me out to you, and I'm going to walk out to you. And so Jesus does this famous invitation with one word and just says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat, and he's got this willingness to dive in. He's got this willingness to put it all on the line. And, and as he does, he begins to walk, and one step after another, he's walking on the water, and he's, he's, secure, he's secure in who he is, and he's secure in who Jesus is, and, and that Jesus is calling him to come. But soon, he, he, his eyes and his, the, the gaze that he has with Jesus, it kind of it gets lost, and he begins to look at the wind, and he begins to look at the waves, and he gets a little distracted, and he begins to sink, and he screams out, and he says, Jesus, save me. Jesus reaches out his hand and brings him back to the boat and says, why did you doubt me, Peter? Don't you know who I am? Don't you trust me? Why did you doubt me? And, and, and I love Peter because it's such a high moment where he takes this risk and he steps out. And he's got this willingness to go where Jesus calls him to go. But then he, he kind of fails and he sinks a little bit. But there was Jesus to rescue him. And there's, there's another moment where I, love, where I love Peter's heart here. And he's just kind of missing the point. It's in Matthew 17. And it said, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, up on a high mountain by themselves. And while they watched, Jesus' appearance was changed. 
His face became bright like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Then Moses and Elijah appeared to them, and they were talking with Jesus. And so, so there, there they are. Jesus is, is, begins to shine, like an epic shine, like the glory of God is now coming out of Jesus. He's, he's no longer just his man self, but, but God, the God self of Jesus is beginning to shine through. And, and, and then here comes Moses and Elijah, like some of the most epic figures in the Jewish faith. And then, and then Peter thinks, this is my time to talk. This is my time. I need to say something. And at that moment, it's just like, Peter, be quiet. Like, it is not time to talk. But Peter says this, Lord, it's good that we are here. This is great. And, and if you want, I will put up three tents for you. I will put up a tent for you. I will put up a tent for Moses. And I'll put up a tent for Elijah. And we can just hang out here forever and be buds. And then I love this because it's just like Jesus and God are just like, Okay, Peter, relax. And, and, and while Peter was talking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice came from the cloud and said, This is my son, whom I love, and I am very pleased with him. Listen to him. So Peter has this heart to help. And, it, and, it, and it, he's, he's always willing to be there, even though sometimes he misses the point. Sometimes he should just be quiet and just kind of watch and take it in. But he's got this heart to help. He's like, geez, let me, let me build your house. Let's, let me make you comfortable. He's, he's ready to serve. He's ready to help out. It reminds me of this story uh, I heard from Jason Upton. He's this worship leader, and he's telling the story. He was getting ready to go on tour, and he's packing up his stuff. He's packing up his keyboard, and he has a little boy named Samuel, and, and he's packing up. He's, like, unscrewing these screws from, like, this rack, and, and, and Samuel says, Daddy, I want to help you. Daddy, I, I want to I help you. Please let me help you. Let me help you. And... Uh, Jason goes, all right, yeah, sure, like, help me, Samuel, yeah, this will be great. And so, like, a few minutes later, he looks about, and, and Samuel has all of the screws, and he's just, he's spread them all over the house, like, he's, and he's just, he's jumping on top of the rack, and he's doing all these things, and, and, and Jason thought to himself, man, this isn't really helping me at all. This is actually, Samuel, you, you are not helping me. And so, the next day, he was on the, he was on the plane, and um, he was just sitting there getting ready to start his tour, and, and he, he said he felt like he, he, he heard the father speak to him. And the father said, hey, Jason, you, you, you know that's just like you, right? And he's like, what do you mean, father? And he goes, you know, sometimes you, you think you're helping me, but, but really, I don't, I don't actually need your help. You know that, right? And he, he was, he was kind of hearing this, and he was a little confused, and he says, father, what are you saying? And, and he said this. He said, it's not that you help me. It's not that when you help me, you please me. He said, it's your heart to want to help me that pleases me. And so that's exactly like Peter. Though sometimes he's getting it wrong, he's got this heart to want to help. And I believe that it was consistently pleasing Jesus. Even though when he was missing the point, I think Jesus just loved it. I think Jesus loved to watch the process of Simon becoming Peter. The fisherman becoming a leader. And I just, I, I feel like it was probably really funny to just watch Peter sometimes. And I just feel like Jesus got so much joy and watching the process unfold. And, and Peter messes up all the time, like epically. I said he had high points and he had low points. I mean, at one point, Jesus, is, he begins to tell them that, that, that he's going to go to the cross and that he's going to die and he's, he's going he's to do this for the sins of the world. And, 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 and Peter says, no, never let it happen. We're not going to let that happen. 
And then Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. Jesus calls Peter Satan. And so anytime you're feeling bad, you're probably doing better than Peter because Jesus has not compared you to the most epically bad person ever, Satan. I mean, we go from these high points to these low points where Jesus face-to-face calls Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Then we see when, when they come to arrest Jesus and they're going to take him to the cross, Peter Peter kind of misses the point, and he, and he begins to defend Jesus, and he pulls out a sword, and he cuts off a guy's ear. And Jesus immediately rebukes him for his violence, and he says, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Peter, don't you know this is not what my kingdom is about? You're missing the point. And Jesus picks up the ear of the soldier, and he, and he heals them. And then, and then one of the most epic ways that, that he fails is, 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 is coming up. It's coming up to the cross, and, and, and Jesus tells him, and he says, Peter, I just want you to know, you are going to deny me. You're going to deny me three times. And, and Peter says, no way. No way, that's never going to happen. That, that, that won't happen. I, I will die for you. I'm going to go, I will go to death for you. I'll do anything for you. Jesus says, yeah, I know, but, but just so you know, you're going you're gonna to deny me. And, and Peter doesn't believe him, and he says, there's no way that that's possible. And, and Jesus gets taken to the cross, and, he, and he's, he's being tried unjustly by the Roman Empire and the Jewish leaders. And, and, and then there's Peter, and he's, he's, he's there warming, warming himself by a fire. And this is a young servant girl comes up and says, hey, aren't you one of those, aren't you one of the disciples of Jesus? And he says, no, 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 that's not me. You're, you're, you're mistaken. You're mistaken, that's not me. And then, then again, someone else says something. He goes, no, no, yeah, yeah, you're definitely one of those guys. And he says, no, that's not me. You guys are mistaken. I don't, I don't know that guy. I don't know that Jesus. That's not my Jesus. I don't know that guy. And then one more time, someone says, no, 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 you're definitely one of the disciples. And he says, no, no, I'm not. I'm not one of his disciples. And as soon as he said that, the rooster crowed just like Jesus said, and it hit him that he had denied Jesus. And like Peter here, he's not even like facing ultimate suffering. I mean, this is a little girl. It's a little servant girl. Women in this society, they don't have a lot of power. And then, and then a young girl definitely doesn't have a lot of power. And then the fact that she was a little servant girl, like this is the most unscary person in this society. And she accuses him of being a disciple, and he, he flakes out. And he says, no, I don't know him. I don't know Jesus. And it's this epic failure for Peter. Everything he thought he was, everything he thought that he had become, all of a sudden he's back to square one. So he thinks. But the story goes on and that, that, that Jesus died on a cross and, and that they buried him in a tomb. But, but three days later, he was, he was risen from the dead. And, and, and the beautiful thing about the story is as soon as Peter hears that, that the tomb is empty, he just takes off running. He just runs as fast as he can. He's got to see that the tomb is empty. He's desperate for it to be true because the last time he interacted with Jesus, he failed. And he said, I got to, I got to, I got to see. Please let this be true. And he goes and he sees an empty tomb. And then the story goes on later that, that, he's, that he's fishing. He's out. He returns. He returns to what he knows. This, this, this life that I had, I, I failed. Who, the things I was becoming, the leader I was becoming, the steps that I was taking forward, I failed, I messed up. 
it's, I'm, back to, I'm back to being Simon. I'm back to being the fisherman. And the beautiful story unfolds, and it, and it says they, Jesus is on the shore, and he kind of calls to them, and, and Peter jumps out of the boat, and there's Jesus, and he's, and he's made breakfast for them. And there they sit with, with, their, with their teacher, with their Lord, the person that they saw die on a cross, is now sitting in front of them eating food. And he asks this question to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. Then he asks him again, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, of course I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. And Jesus asks him one more time, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And, and, and Peter's heart at this point, his, his heart's grieved. See, he thinks Jesus doesn't understand it. And he says, Jesus, you know all things. You know everything. You, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And so Jesus comes in and, and, he, and, and where Peter, he has gone back to the old ways of being Simon. He'd gone back to fishing. He'd gone back to his old life. And then Jesus comes and meets him and he says, Peter, I know you failed me. I know you denied me. But it doesn't matter because I have given you a new name and I've given you a new purpose. I called you rock. I called you to be the person that I'm going to build my church on. You are Peter. You are the rock. And I'm calling you to feed my sheep. I'm calling you to lead my church. You see, the thing about Peter is that he, he had humble beginnings. He had humble beginnings. But where he started is not where he ended up. You see, he, he, didn't, he didn't have a lot of giftings. He didn't have a lot of, I don't know, he just wasn't, he wasn't the person that you would think God would choose to lead the church. He's, he's, he's kind of a rash guy. He's got anger problems. He's, he's, he's just always making bad decisions. And he's, he's seemingly inadequate. But the truth is, is that what God calls, he equips who God calls, he equips. You see, Peter's inabilities, it didn't stop him from stepping into his destiny. Yeah, he had failures, and he, and he had moments where, where, where he messed up. And, 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 and even after he was a leader and Jesus had ascended to heaven, we, we, we hear that Paul had to confront Peter to his face because he was, he was kind of showing favoritism to the, to, the, to the Jewish people who were following laws, and Paul had to confront him. And even later on in his life, Peter was still making mistakes. But where Peter began is not where he ended. And, and God had called him into a new purpose. And he said, though you fail me, you're still Peter. You're still my son. You're still, my, you're still, you're still the person I'm going to build my church on. Some of you in here have been, you've been called to something. You've been called to do something. You've been called to step out, but you've been reciting your excuses for so long of why you can't do it or why you're not able to do it that, that they've become your reality. God's called you and to do things. He's called you to step out and do things, and you have all these excuses, and I'm not, I'm not adequate for that. I didn't go to school for that. I don't have that training. I'm, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm smart enough. I don't feel like I'm, I'm brave enough. I don't feel like I'm a good enough speaker to do that. I don't feel like I'm outgoing enough. And you have all of these lists of excuses of why you're not ready to step into your new identity. 
But, but God's here, and, he's, and he's, he's calling you something new. And he says, I'm doing something new in you, and I'm, and I'm changing you. Are you willing to step into that? Are you willing to embrace that? Because just like Peter, Peter's inadequacies, God took all of those, and he, and he molded him into somebody who, who had an amazing impact on the world. I mean, we went from Peter saying, I don't know that guy on the cross. That's not my Jesus. To weeks later, being a, there was 120 people in the church. To preaching his first sermon and thousands of people responding. And a movement began that changed the world forever. It's literally why we're sitting in this building today. Because Jesus came and he set up leadership to lead his church. And Peter was a part of that. Peter was not prepared for this. But God came in and he anointed him and he said, I'm giving you a new name. I'm giving you a new purpose. Come, follow me. I'm going to take you places you never thought you could go. And so I don't know what, what God's called you to in here. I don't, I don't know. But one thing I'm sure is that, that there have been people in your life and there have been thoughts in your head that have lied to you, that have told you that you are not good enough, that you are not prepared enough, that you are not educated enough. The list goes on and on and on. So many lies have been spoken over you and they've held you back for too long. Because Jesus is here saying, all of those old names, all of that old life, all of those old places that you were, they don't matter anymore because I'm calling you into something new and I'm giving you a new name. What does God want to build on you? What are you going to be the foundation of? What impact will you have on the world? Will you embrace the new name that God's given you? Will you take the risk? Will you go? Because if God's called you, yeah, it's scary to step out of the boat. It's terrifying. But if he's called you to do something, our God is faithful to equip you to do it well. And just like Peter, you will fail. You will lose sight of Jesus and you will begin to sink. But Jesus is always faithful. He'll grab your hand and he said, why did you doubt me? Get back in the boat. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing this. Let's keep doing this. And so Peter, he became this epic leader with highs and lows all throughout his ministry and all throughout his life. I mean, he he denied Jesus three times in the most important moment in his life. The story doesn't end there. Um, History tells us a little bit more about Peter, and it's, it's a really, it's a beautiful thing, and it's, it's an awful thing, and but it, it just, shows, just shows Peter's life. And it, it, history tells us that Peter became an old man and that, that he was still preaching ferociously the kingdom of God. So much so that the Roman Empire came and arrested him as an old man and said, Peter, you got to stop preaching what you're preaching. Peter, you got to stop. you got to stop what you're doing or we're going to kill you. Deny Jesus and and go and live the rest of your life in peace. Stop doing this. Deny Jesus one more time, Peter. And history tells us that Peter says, I won't do it. You're going to have to crucify me. 
The Roman Empire was so threatened by the message of Jesus that Peter was carrying that they wanted to take his life. And, and they said, deny Jesus. He said, I won't. You'll have to crucify me. And then Peter says this, and it's, it's, it's a rocking thing, really. And he says, I'm not worthy to, to die like Jesus. I want you to crucify me upside down. And so the Roman Empire, they did. They took a cross, and they turned it upside down, and they crucified Peter upside down, and, and he died. But I'll tell you something. In that moment, he said, I'm not going to deny him again. Because I know who I am. I know who God has called me. I know that he has defined me as his son. He has defined me as Peter. I am no longer Simon the fisherman. I am Peter the rock, the preacher. Uh, I, I got to be in, in, uh, in Rome with, with some friends. And, and I, was, I was eating dinner at, a, at an Italian restaurant. But I guess every restaurant in Italy is Italian. And... Um, very good. It's fantastic. Um, but the restaurant was directly across from the Colosseum. And it's this, like, ginormous thing. It's just like, it's just, I don't know, there's something about it. It's so huge. And I was just eating dinner, and I was looking at it, and I just feel like I felt the Holy Spirit just remind me that not that long ago, just 2,000 years ago, there were people who were being murdered in there because they, were, they weren't willing to deny me. And it was such an interesting thing to, to be sitting there with friends eating this fantastic meal right across the way from where thousands of Christians lost their life because they were willing to die because they knew who they were. They knew who they were. They knew who their identity was. They knew who their identity was in that they were sons and daughters of Jesus, and that they were willing to die for that. They were willing to die for the truth that Jesus is God. They're willing to die so that others could know that Jesus came from heaven so that we could know God, and that we would not have to experience hell. And I was just struck just sitting there, just thinking about all of the Christians who, who, who went to their death freely because they, they wouldn't deny Jesus. The historian Josephus tells us about accounts when, when Christians would be being marched to their death to the Colosseum, that, that people who weren't Christians were so stirred by what they saw that they left their place in the crowd and they joined. They joined those walking to their death. And I just think, man, I wouldn't do that wouldn't do that. And I just, I have this feeling that the church, as it is today, we don't know who we are. We walk around having no idea who we are. We are operating so below par of what God has for us. And I'm so guilty of it. I get so distracted and I just, I forget who I am. I forget that I'm a son of the most high God and that I have so much authority in this earth over sickness, over injustice, over oppression. But I waste it. I waste the power that God has given me just on silly stuff. 
And I'm stirred by Peter. And I'm stirred by that the thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians that have gone before me and that have stood up and that risked because they understood who they were and they understood that Jesus had given them a new name. So I don't know, I don't know what, what, your, what your names are or what people have put on you, but God is wanting to define you with one name, the name above all other names, Jesus. He wants to define you by one name and one name alone. So may we be a church that knows who we are. May we be a church who's willing to risk and take a step out of the boat, even when we fail. May we be a church that understands that we are defined by Jesus and by nothing else to the point where we're willing to risk our lives because we know who called us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for choosing Peter. I feel like there's probably a lot of other better equipped people but I thank you that you, you chose someone like Peter that we can relate to. Because we have, we have highs and we have lows just like Peter. We fail every day. We're going to fail this afternoon. We're going to fail tomorrow. And maybe we've, we've never denied you out loud. But the truth is, is that we deny you every day. We deny your resurrection every day when we don't when we don't choose to speak up for those who don't have a voice, when we, when we don't choose to stand up for those who are oppressed, when we don't love those who aren't being loved, we deny you every day. Help us to be braver. Help us to be stronger. Help us to know who we are, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and that you've called us to change this world. The strong name of Christ we pray. Amen. Love you guys more than you know.